Hi there. You are listening to a message recorded by High Point Life. To listen to more messages and to find out more about our church, head over to our website at highpointlife.com. It's a joy to be able to worship God together this morning. Amen. It's such a privilege. Uh, I mean, uh, we are reminded in the Bible that at the end of times when we return to be with God, worship is going to be one of the things that we are going to be doing a lot, right? And so, so you know, when, when we get together like this, it's just a glimpse of what is to, to come in heaven. Amen? Yeah? As God's people come together to, to worship Him. Uh, this morning, the topic that we are going to be looking at is worshipping in spirit and truth, okay? Worshipping in spirit and truth. Uh, I have a question for, for you this morning. Okay, it's something for you to ponder, and uh, as we go through the message, you can ask yourself this question, right? What is the song that you are carrying in your heart this morning as you come before God? Well, what is the song, okay? What song do you carry in your heart this morning as you come before God, right? Uh, is it a song of, oh God, work is so difficult? Is it a song of, you know, oh God, this week has been so tough and, uh, and you know, this happened to me and that person said this to me? Is this the kind of song that you are bringing and, you know, uh, is with you this morning? Or, or, or is it a song of, you know, you, you, you coming before God and uh, being able to say, God, you are so awesome, you are so majestic, you are so glorious, you are so wonderful, right? Um, and as, as we go through this, this topic, right, um, we, we, we want to see what true worship really is, okay? What true worship really is. We have gone through a whole month on the series of worship. And let's take a look at John chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 19 to 24, right? And this is just to set the, the context of um, where in the Bible Jesus referenced worshipping in spirit and in truth. Okay, John chapter 4, verses 19 to 24, and this is what the Bible says. Sir, the woman said, uh, if you remember, this is the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman, right? Okay. So Jesus was, uh, uh, was passing through this region and he met this woman who was at the well and, and then they had an encounter and Jesus was asking her to draw water for him, right? If you remember the story. And this is a, a little further down as we go through the story. You can go back and read for context. And Jesus uh, had engaged with her and the woman responded because Jesus had actually told her, you know, that uh, she was someone who was living with, with different men. She didn't have a husband because he had asked her to go and, you know, call her husband to come and so on. And in response, the woman says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Okay, the mountain that she was... Uh, the mountain that, that she was referring to was Mount Gerizim, right? Mount Gerizim was where the, the Samaritans actually worshipped, okay? Uh, your an our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. 
Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. Can you see that? You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come from uh, has now come when true worshippers will worship the Father in. Can we say it together, church? Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now, the, 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 the phrase or the words which popped out to me as I was preparing this message, um, yes, while the, the, the sermon topic is on worshipping in spirit and truth, but the thing that popped out to me was true worshippers, right? And so I started to ask myself this question, who is a true worshipper, right? Or, or what does a true worshipper look like? Um, there are three segments to this, uh, you know, this morning, right? The first one we are going to consider is the place and atmosphere, okay? So just remember three, yeah? The place and atmosphere, that's the first one. The second one would be spirit versus flesh, right? Spirit versus flesh. And the third one would be worshipping in truth, okay? Worshipping in truth. So we're going to break it down in, in this context. So, the Samaritans were a group of people who lived in the region of Samaria, right? But the Samaritans were half Jews and they were half Gentiles. Okay, they were half Jews and half Gentiles. When, when uh, Assyria kept, uh, captured the northern kingdom of Israel, right, uh, some of the Jews were taken captivity while others were left behind. And the ones who were left behind are the ones that intermarried um, the, with the Assyrians, okay? And these people are the ones that are known as the Samaritans. So, at that time, they had their own system of worship, okay? They, uh, they yes, while they intermarried, they, there would have been some form of idolatry and so on, but in general, right, there were some Samaritans who worshipped only one God. They didn't know, uh, they, they didn't worship multiple gods, but they only worshipped this one God, okay? And, um, and even this lady, this Samaritan lady, she spoke, about, she spoke about the fact that the Messiah was going to come, right? So they also were waiting for the Messiah. So they also knew that there was going to be a Messiah. And, uh, and, and they worshipped one God. But Jesus told her, what did Jesus tell her? Jesus said in this passage, as you read it, He said, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. Do you see that? Even though... Uh, they worshipped one God, and they worshipped um, a, a God that, a God that um, they believed was true. Jesus said, you worship what you do not know. And at the same time, in, uh, the, first, the first point of contention was the place of worship, right? Okay, they were arguing about, um, they were not really arguing uh, Jesus was just telling her that the Samaritans used to, to, to say that, no, if you want to worship God, you have to worship Him where? On this mountain, right? And this was Mount, Mount Gerizim, okay? Mount Gerizim. Uh, 
So Jesus was saying that a time would come when true worshippers, they're not going to worship God on this mountain. They're not going to worship God uh, on any specific place, but they are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. Okay. So point number one, place and atmosphere. Can we go to the first point? Place and atmosphere. I want us to consider this, right? You and I are so privileged today because we can worship God anywhere. You agree with me? Yeah? Worship is not... Um, sometimes we say, hey, I'm going to a worship meeting. How many of you have done that? How many of you say, hey, today I'm going for worship service. I'm going for a worship meeting. We are, we are so used to saying that, right? I know I, I say that sometimes, I'm going for a worship meeting. Well, I, I'm going to worship God. Now, now, what does that even mean, right? I'm going to worship God, right? Worship comes from within, okay? If, if all that you have considered this whole month are from the different uh, speakers that has come, right? This is one of the take-homes which, which I realize it's not about us going to worship, but worship comes from within, okay? So it's not about that place. It is about being in that constant spirit of worship. Amen? Yeah? It's being, a, it's being in that constant spirit of worship, okay? Um, I know that sometimes we might say, hey, today I went to the worship service, huh? and are you really, I didn't feel anything. La. Yeah? Sometimes we say that, right? I didn't feel anything. Uh, because when we go, we are going with that spirit of expecting to receive something rather than what I am bringing into that place of exchange with God where I am going to give Him my heart, right? I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to bring myself. And the beauty of this brothers and sisters, is that prior to, prior to uh, Jesus coming and dying on the cross and, and, and rising again and the Holy Spirit coming, right, that concept of needing to go to a place of worship was very true, right? Was very true. But today the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16, 1 Corinthians chapter 3.16, and I'm going to read this. So today we're going to read a bit of scripture, okay? I'm going to read this to you. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? Now, all of us together, right? Okay? Sometimes we say, okay, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's true, right? You and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But this reference talks about the fact that all of us together. Can you see the word together? Right? Together. Okay? Yes, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So even if you are by yourself... The Holy Spirit is in you, right? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But uh, now, what Jesus was trying to say is the church, the body of Christ, all of us together are the temple of, of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you, okay? The Spirit of God lives in you. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible talks about the fact that uh, we now have this light shining in our hearts. We ourselves are like fragile jars of clay, right? Now, when you think of a fragile jar of clay, uh, jar of clay 
what comes to mind? How many of you are, do pottery? I don't do pottery. Pottery is difficult. I've never tried pottery. I know my, my nieces have tried pottery. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, any of you have taken your kids to try pottery lessons and so on, right? Uh, there, there are a lot of these nowadays. But it's not easy to actually make pottery, and then, uh, but once you make it, right, and if you accidentally just hit it somewhere and so on, it, it just cracks, right? Because jars of clay are, are quite fragile, and then, then that's what it's referring to. It's, the Bible is saying that we are fragile jars of clay, okay? If you think of, if you think of yourself, you think of your brokenness, your fallenness, your, uh, you know, your, your constant state of feeling down and uh, depressed or, and whatever it is we go through, right? And our constant ups and downs. We realize that truly we are very fragile. But God in His grace and mercy has chosen to deposit this treasure. Now what is this treasure? His own presence. God's Spirit, yes, His own presence, His own glory, His, His, uh, His, His, very, uh, His, His very being, right? He has now come and chosen to deposit it in us, this fragile uh, jars of clay. And because of this, right, the fact that we, as a body of Christ, are the temple of God, and now uh, we have this treasure within us, there is no need for us to for us to say that, you know, uh, in order to encounter the glory of God, in order to have the presence of God, I need to go to such and such a service. I need to go to such and such a place, right? I know of people who would travel far and wide to go to a specific meeting. I'm not saying that is wrong. Just to encounter God. But we already have the presence of God with us, brothers and sisters. Amen? Yeah? And... Um, and, and so, I want to challenge us with this thought. Just think about it. Huh? I believe that the, uh, one of the reasons why we say that when we come, we need a longer time of worship, for example, right? To break the atmosphere, okay? Is because we are coming empty. That's why I asked you that question, right? What song do you carry in your heart today when you come? You following me? Right? If you're carrying the wrong song in our heart, if we are not coming already filled with the Holy Spirit, if we are not coming already having that encounter with God throughout the week where we are, then we are going to say uh, these words that, oh, I'm coming to, to worship service this morning and I'm hoping to receive an encounter with God. I'm hoping to receive a touch from God. I'm hoping to, be, uh, re to receive that infilling because I'm, I'm so empty. You know what I'm trying to say? Right? And, and then we will need Vekun to extend worship la, a bit more, la, right? Yeah, Vekun. We'll need him to continue for 30 minutes, for 40 minutes, for 45 minutes, for one hour, so that finally we feel we are topped up and then we have the breakthrough. But that's not the way it's meant to be, right? What, how it's meant to be is... Uh, as a true worshipper, because we're talking about true worshippers, we are carrying that song of worship in our heart throughout the week, right? And because we are carrying that song of worship of God throughout the week, the presence of God is in us, the Holy Spirit is continuously filling us, and, and we are constant, uh, constantly in connection with God. And as we come into the service, we are now the temple of God, right? 
carrying the presence of God, the moment you walk in the door, the atmosphere changes already. You don't need the worship team to usher you into, that, uh, in, into the presence of God. Uh, all that is unnecessary already if we recognize this beautiful fact. Amen? Okay? Um, so the place, the place is not of, not of vital importance, right? David understood this concept in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, right? Verses 12 to 25. Do you remember this story? This was the time when uh, they had found the Ark of the, Ark of the Covenant, right? And on the way back, right, uh, they had actually had a mishap where someone touched it wrongly and then, uh, you know, they died. So then they decided, what did they decide? Oh, we are going to place it in the house of this man called Obed-Edom, right? Now, who is Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom, uh, some scholars would say that he was actually not a Jew, okay? He was not a Jew, but later he was given uh, uh, the privilege of, of, you know, being part of the, of the Levitical tribe, but we don't really know, okay? Different scholars say different things, but regardless, regardless of what scholars say, when the ark was played in the house of Obed-Edom, what happened? What happened? The Bible says in verse 11, right? 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11, the Bible says, The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months, only three months, yeah? And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God, Okay? Now, what does the ark of God represent? The presence of God. Amen? Okay? And so, the, so David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. And after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, uh, David sacrificed a bull and so on and so forth. You go, you go and read, you go and read this, uh, this account. Uh, David understood at the end of the day what mattered most was not the place. Even though he had a heart to build, he had a heart to build that glorious temple, right? Remember that? He had a heart to build a glorious temple. But he knew that what really mattered was the presence of God, right? And it's not about the external factors. It's not about uh, the, the music. It's not about the worship. It's not about how good the singing is. Unless, of course, maybe I'm surrounded by five people singing off-tune, I don't know, lah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, but I'm in the presence of God, and so the external factors don't need to affect you, right? Okay. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Bagos. We can always hear you, Uncle Yunloy. <laughs> okay? So, the key takeaway is this. We are the temple of, this is the point number one, right? It's not about the place. We are the temple of God, right? And we are the ones that have this amazing privilege. Do you know that we are so much more privileged than those who had Jesus uh, with them and those that who had the Ark of, Cove Ark of the Covenant with them? Aren't we more privileged? Yeah? So, who is the one that, that brings a change of atmosphere? We. 
we bring the change of atmosphere, right? Amen? Yeah? Because we are the temple of God, together, collectively, right? So moving forward, my encouragement to you all is in the coming weeks as you come to church, right? Before you even come to church, don't come with this mindset that, oh, today is uh, such a tough week, and then on a Sunday morning, okay, go, I need to go and get a touch and, and be topped up, okay? Come already in the spirit of worship, right? Come already ready to, uh, to, 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 to bring an offering to God, okay? You know, the times, I just wrote here, yeah, I just, want, I just wanted to share a testimony. Uh, I, I have gone through dry seasons. I've gone through uh, seasons where I'm really connected with God. How many of you are like me? Hi, hi. The rest of you are all uh, always high, right? <laughs> always have very high seasons, right? And, I, and this is what I've realized, okay? When I, when I go through seasons when I'm very connected with God, uh, and, you know, when I'm in, in this constant uh, place of worship and my heart is connected with Him, and, and regardless of what I'm doing, right, regardless of how tough the situation is, uh, I, can still, I can still somehow uh, have that, that praise rising up in me. Those are the times when, you, you know I'm in the ministry of deliverance, right? And those are the times when I realize that somehow that the power of God to work miracles in me is so much greater. And I'm just sitting there, let's say in a coffee shop, right? Engaging someone, having a conversation with someone, but because of that spirit of worship that I'm carrying and the presence of God in me, uh, that person in front of me can suddenly start manifesting demons, right? Because the light of God the light of God that comes from within, right, is confronting darkness. And, and that's because of, of the, the spirit of worship that I'm, I'm carrying at that time. But there can be other times when I'm going through a very dry season, right, and I just feel disconnected from God and I'm not carrying that spirit of worship with, within me and I'm so distracted with, with things, right? And when I try to do ministry, it almost seems like it's forced. You following me? Right? It almost seems like I, I'm, trying to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to make it happen, right? And I don't see the flow of the Holy Spirit. I don't see the presence of God flowing. Why? It's because I'm not walking in that spirit of worship, right? It's all about walking in that spirit of worship. So wherever you are right now, whatever circumstance you're going through, right? Just like Pastor Terry shared his testimony, it's going to be that spirit of worship which changes the atmosphere, Okay? So that's my encouragement to you, right? Get into the spirit of worship so that the atmosphere changes, the darkness would dissipate, the light of God would come and, uh, and, and really make a shift in the circumstances around us, okay? Okay, the, 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 the second thing for us to consider is spirit versus flesh, right? Spirit versus flesh. Next point. You know, an interesting quote by a pastor that I like. This is what the pastor said, right? Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. I know we are a very missional church, right? I'm very glad we are a missional church. We need to be a missional church. 
Missions is, but missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is, right? Worship is the ultimate goal of the church. And then he goes on to say this, and, and I thought it's very profound, right? Missions exist because worship stopped. Wow. Missions exist today because worship stopped. Where did worship first stop? Worship first stopped in heaven, you remember? What did Lucifer do? He rebelled against God. He, the, uh, at one time, he was one of the chief angels, right? And he was uh, also someone who was created to worship God. But when he decided in his heart that he had lost the awe of God, he had decided in his heart that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't respect God anymore. I've lost the awe of God, right? When that worship stopped in heaven, that is when the need for missions started, Right? When Adam and Eve fell, when they lost the awe of God, the, the awe of the holiness of God, the awe of the fact that, you know, this is a sovereign God and He has already given me uh, commands that I need to obey, right? When they lost the awe of God, the moment they lost the awe of God, when worship stopped, that's when the need for missions started, okay? And so this was a very profound um, quote from, from this pastor, and then he goes on to say, worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. And again, that really blew my mind away, because, brothers and sisters, how often when we come into the presence of God to worship Him, there is always this ulterior motive behind it. I know I, I have before. When I come to God into the presence to worship, uh, it's almost like I'm doing an exchange. You know, I've spoken to Muru many times about this because we, we talked about, you know, uh, how the Hindus, you know, he, I mean, he came from, from that background. I also came from that background. So I understand, right? When the Hindus, the Buddhists, the, the Taoists, when they go to temple, when they go to worship, when they go to make an offering, there's always that ulterior purpose, that ulterior motive. It's not because they are in awe of God. It's not because they are uh, now wanting to show that due respect or reverence, but it's more of, hey, I give you this, you give me this. Right? And so, it's always about an exchange, right? Um, and the reason for that is because we have failed to realize that God is ultimate. God is ultimate. It's not about us. Your Christian life, your Christian walk, my Christian life, my Christian walk, is not about me. It is about what Jesus has done. It's about what Jesus has already finished on the cross. It's about, it's, it's about what God has already ordained before time that should happen, not just in, uh, in your individual lives, but collectively, Right? And we are all part of this bigger picture. And everything is about God, right? Everything is about God. 
But the moment we make it about ourselves, that's when everything gets distorted. So, you know, we, we come and then we, we worship God. Uh, then the offering bucket is passed and then we put money in. And then we go back feeling good about ourselves. We say, hey, I've done my part today, you know. Hey, God, see, I'm so good. God, hey, God, you know, I spent so much time, uh, uh, you know, this week with you, right? Hey, God, so how, huh? Now, now uh, how are you going to bless me, yeah? Then when, when the blessings don't come, hey, hey, God, not fair, lah, right? Why like that one? What happened now? Have you had that thought, those thoughts before? Have we had those thoughts before? So today is really a time for us to sit down, sit back and reflect, right? Are we true worshippers? Jesus used the word true worshippers. Are we really true worshippers? Am I really a true worshipper? It's a, it's a question that only you can answer, right? As we go through uh, some of these points, okay? Hebrews 13, 15. The Bible says that God requires a sacrifice of praise, right? And that's what He, he desires. What are some of the things that has replaced your true worship of God with just a form of worship. What are some of these things? You know, for me, at one time, it was ministry. Ministry came in and then, uh, you know, I was so focused on ministry. I was so focused on my calling. I was so focused on God. Okay, I need to, I need to do this for you. Uh, you have already spoken this over my life. And, 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 and that started to replace... Uh, my, my heart of worship for God, right? Because that became my, my ultimate anchor, right? It's about doing, 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 doing. Rather than just resting in the presence of God and just knowing and acknowledging who He is and being able to draw f- from Him and connect with Him because He's a good Father, He's a loving God, uh, he's, he's someone that re- he just wants to spend time with you, right? Okay? So I reached that point where uh, I thought I was worshipping God, right? But actually I was not. I was just doing and being busy, right? It's like, it's like a dad. What the family really wants is your time, right? But instead, uh, we... Yes, we are meant to provide for the family. But instead, you know, we get so caught up with, uh, with doing, doing, doing because I need to bring in the money. And then, and then when, when the children or, or your spouse get dis- dis- disappointed, and then we tell them, hey, don't you know I'm doing this for you? Right? I'm doing this for you? You see where I'm coming from? Yeah? But that's not what God wants. God really doesn't need anything from us, right? All He wants is your heart and my heart, brothers and sisters. He only wants your heart and He only wants my heart. He doesn't want anything else, okay? So it's a, it's a thought for us to ponder on, okay?
Psalm 51, 17. And now we're going to go into the third, um, the third point, worshipping in truth, okay? Worshipping in truth. Psalm 51, 17. Let me read that. And this is what the Bible says. Because we, we were speaking about sacrifices, right? The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken spirit and a repentant heart, O oh God. Right? So I'm going to read that again, okay? Let this sink in for a moment. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. That is what God is looking for, okay? A broken spirit before Him. One that says, God, you know, I really, really need you. God, I am nothing without you. God, I am so desperate for you. God, you are my everything. God, all these other things don't matter, Lord. Right? Lord, I just, just so need you. And then it goes on to say that uh, he will not reject a broken spirit and a repentant heart. Right? And, and, and so, we, so that's where we come into our third point, right? About worshipping in truth. Okay? Worshipping in truth. John 16, 13 tells us, When the Spirit of God comes, He will lead us into all truth. And so, you see this, huh? You first need to be worshipping in spirit, right? So, so you need to be connected to the Spirit in order for you to then worship in truth. Okay? So, so there is the correlation. If we are not worshipping in spirit, if we are worshipping in our flesh, if everything is about the externals and the optics and, and, and so on, it's going to be impossible for us to also worship in truth, right? Because it's only the Holy Spirit which leads us into, into truth, into all truth, right? Okay? Um, and so John 16, 13 again says, When the Spirit of God comes, He will lead us into all truth. And only when we worship in spirit uh, will we be able to worship in truth, as I said, right? Okay? And what are some of these uh, truths that we need to recognize? The first one is this. We need to worship God for who He truly is and not for the image of God we have created in our own minds. We need to worship God for who He truly is, and not for the image of God that you and I have created in our minds, okay? Acts chapter 17, verses 22 to 23. You know, Paul was in Athens, and he... Um, he was very troubled because in the marketplace and all that, he saw that the Greeks, right, they were so-called God-fearing people. They, they desired to pursue God and, and, and worship God. But they, they had so many different idols that they were, they were worshipping and so many things that, that, that they had made into idols. Um, and this is what the Bible says in Acts 17, 22, 23. I'm going to read it, okay? And so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. And this is what he said. Men of Athens, 
I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For I was, as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines and, and one of your altars had this inscription on it. Okay, so it's referring to a specific altar, right? To an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing, right, is the one I'm telling you about. And so as I was reading this, the question came back to me was, God, are you speaking to me? Perhaps God, uh, and, and the Holy Spirit was prompting me, right? Uh, the God that you worship, is it really the God of the Bible? Have you really understood who this God is? Or, or, or are you worshipping some kind of God like, like, like these people had, right? And they had, they had now put an inscription to an unknown God because you have just created it in your mind that this is how God, God should be. So this question started to come to me and, and, and I want to ask you all this question today, right? Do we really have an understanding of God? As, as God really is? Or is the God that you worship today very similar to this unknown God that Paul was referring to in the Bible because uh, it, it's, it's just something that you've created in your figment of imagination based on your own understanding of how God should be like and how God should operate like rather than, than what the Bible says God should be like? Are we like this? We need to rediscover our true sense of awe of who God is. Okay? Just like Isaiah, when he came face to face with God, this is what the prophet said in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Right? Because of the presence of God that was there, and then he, he came and he was uh, now encountering the glory of God, Isaiah said, and then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man, right? Uh, some translations that we are, the older folk will be used to, he says what? Woe unto me, right? Right? Uh, that's the one that I think uh, we all are familiar with, woe unto me, right? This is from the NLT, right? He's, he's saying it's all over, Okay? It's all over, but it's the same thing, right? Woe unto me. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips, and yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies, right? So you're saying that I had seen God. Now I've seen God's glory. I've seen Him, and, and so woe unto me. And, and so brothers and sisters, this season, right? This season, the first thing that we need to, to, to know and recognize is the fact that God is a holy God. Right? God is a holy God. And until, until we, we have that recognition, the truth, right? Now we're talking about truth, the last point, truth. Until we have the recognition that God is a holy God, and, 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 and just like Isaiah, right? We don't take His presence for granted. We, we reach that point where we, we, we uh, you know, even as we come into His presence, we are, we are so awestruck because He is a holy God and, and what a privilege it is that, that we have compared to, to the others before the time of Christ who did not have this privilege of coming into the holy of holies, right? When while we have this privilege, that awe shouldn't 
dis disappear, that all shouldn't diminish, that all should continue. And so God is asking us this question this morning. Have you lost the awe of my holiness? Have you lost that awe of my holiness? I'm asking myself this question as well. Have I lost the awe of the holiness of God? And then the next thing to consider is this. As the Holy Spirit leads us to all truth, we spoke about um, Psalm 51, which says that He not just requires a broken spirit, but a repentant heart. Worshipping God in truth, right, would require us to search our lives and come into alignment with Him as He leads us into repentance for areas in our lives that we need to repent of. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Right? When Zacchaeus recognized who Jesus was, when he had that recognition of Jesus, he just, there was such an awe which came over him because he knew this is the Son of God. This is God. And then, as that awe of the holiness of Jesus, of who Jesus is, right? It turned him to recognize his own fallenness of the things that he had already done, of how, he, of how God wanted to realign his heart. And, and, and now Zacchaeus said, Okay, God, you are so amazing, God. God, you are so awesome. Jesus, I'm referring to Jesus here, right? Lord, I'm willing to do anything, anything, absolutely anything to set things right. Do we have the desperation like Zacchaeus? What are some of the things that God has been speaking to you about, but you have just swept it under the carpet and, um, and still we come to church week after week, right? Saying that we, that we are true worshippers. But God is saying, stop putting on a front. Stop playing games. If you really want to call yourself a true worshipper, these are some of the things that I have spoken to you about in this season. I have asked you to fix some things, to obey me in some ways that, uh, that you have yet to do. My son, my daughter, what are you going to do about it? So how will we respond, brothers and sisters? How will we respond? We need to come back to that place of recognition of who God is. I'm going to read in closing a little bit of Job chapter 38. And I would encourage you to go back and read Job chapter 38. You know the account of when Job had gone through so much And he had a lot of questions, right? Even though he didn't curse God openly, but I believe that the condition of his heart, right, could be like many of us today. Perhaps his heart was a little bit hardened. Perhaps he was questioning internally, right? Inside, the questions were, were being asked. Why like that? 
and he had lost the awe of God. He had he had lost the, uh, you know the, the reverence of God. If you are like Job, this morning perhaps you are going through something, a season. And this is how the Lord answered him. And then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying lines? Who supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? And he goes on and he goes on and he goes on. Have we lost the awe of God, brothers and sisters? As a true worshipper, the main takeaway for today is this. If you and I, we want to call ourselves true worshippers of God, we need to come back to recognize God for who He really is. That we are not on the same level as God. We are not parallel with God. We are nowhere close to God. We are nothing but a speck of dust. And as we come back to that point of recognizing who He really is, and as that awe of His holiness, the awe of His majesty, the awe of His glory, the awe of His power, the awe of His sovereignty, the awe of who He is and who, and who He was and who He will always be, as that returns to our heart and as, as the fear of the Lord returns to our heart, that is the starting point of us becoming true worshippers of God. And this is my encouragement to all of us today as we close today. True worshippers, we will grow in our love for God and increase in our submission to His commands. Shall we arrive?